Good morning. Our scripture today comes from the sixth chapter of Galatians. It's found in the Pew Bible on page 948. For if those who who are nothing think they are something, they deceive themselves. All must test their own work. Then that work, rather than their neighbor's work, will become a cause for pride. For all must carry their own loads. Those who are taught the word must share in all good things with their teacher. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for you reap whatever you sow. If you sow to your own flesh, you will reap corruption from the flesh. But if you sow to the Spirit you will reap eternal life from the Spirit. So let us not grow weary in doing what is right, for we will reap at harvest time if we do not give up. So then, whenever we have an opportunity, let us work for the good of all and especially for those of the family in faith. This is the word of God for the people of God. As I think forward about this decade, this brand new decade, I've taken some time to hope, time to dream. I don't know that we take enough time just to sit in hope. But as I've been reflecting on these next 10 years, if if given the opportunity to be excellent over the next 10 years, to be excellent at anything... I want to be a great dad. I want to be a great dad. I'm not a great dad. Sometimes I lose my temper with my kids. Sometimes I don't keep the appropriate boundaries with them in terms of, you know, bedtime and stuff like that because I'm, I'm human. I'm not a perfect dad. There are traps I fall into and that's, that's why we're doing this series. This series, Parent Traps, is designed to help us become the best parents we can possibly be. And I know what a few of you are thinking. I can hear your thoughts. Pastor, this is a great idea. It would have been even better if you'd done this series 20 years ago, right? I understand. Listen, we're going to spend some time in this series talking about how to interact with our adult children well also. Now, some of you, though, are saying, I've never had kids and don't plan on it. So what does this series have to do with me? Well, that's a great question. And here's a good answer. Over the course of the last two years, Ebenezer Church has conducted over a hundred baptisms right there. Can the church say amen? A hundred, over a hundred baptisms. Most of those baptisms were of children. And most of the time when we talk about the, the children we baptize during that event, we talk about the fact that as these children come forth from the waters of their baptism, they are born into not only a new life, they are born into a new family. It's not just something nice that I say. It's the truth. God has entrusted the children of Ebenezer Church to my care and to your care. Do you believe that? Seventeen of you. (laughs) And not only that, I think it's the most important thing we're ever going to do. 
The most important thing I think we're ever going to do is to raise up the next generation of believers in Jesus Christ who are going to change this world. And so this series isn't just about how I'm a better parent or you can become a better parent to your own kids, but also it's about how we, as the family of God, raise up that next generation. And so each week we're going to talk about two different parent traps that we can fall into. And today we begin this series by talking about the traps of the allure of happiness and by talking about consistency. How many of you have ever found yourselves saying of your children, I just want them to be happy? Have you done that before? What's wrong with the rest of you? Why don't you want your kids to be happy? <laughs> you know what's, what's ironic about happiness? Here's the, here's the irony of happiness. Happiness is a feeling. It's feeling good. But happiness comes, by and large, as a result of, of who we are and what we do. Happiness is feeling good, but it comes because we are and we do good. It's a byproduct of being and doing good. If happiness is our goal, it is elusive. Because happiness is a byproduct. Feeling good is a byproduct of being and doing good. Are you with me so far? Let me illustrate this with a story. There was a young boy, his name was Todd. He was in second grade. Todd was kind of one of those square square pegs in a round hole. He just, he hadn't found his home in life yet. One day Todd came home from school and his teacher had told the class that day that because of the inclement weather that had taken place in January, they didn't have enough time to do their Valentine's Day party. Well, Todd was brokenhearted about this because he loved Valentine's Day. He loved to, to make those little Valentine's cards. You guys did this when you were kids, right? You made the Valentine's Day cards and you gave them, gave them away to the kids in your class. Well, Todd was sad about the fact that they weren't going to have their Valentine's Day party, but not mom. Mom was very happy about this. She knew Todd didn't have a lot of friends. She was worried that maybe he wasn't going to get a lot of Valentine's cards in, in response. So she was happy the, the party had been canceled, but Todd wouldn't let it go, man. He decided that whether they're going to have the party or not, he was still going to make all of the kids in his class Valentine's cards and he was going to put them in their cubby holes. Do you remember cubby holes? Wasn't life so much better when we all had a cubby hole? <laughs> well, Todd's mom tried to dissuade him because she was terrified that he wasn't going to get a single card. But Todd was not to be dissuaded. He spent days making these Valentine's Day cards for the other kids in his class. And finally, February 14th came. Todd headed off to school. And by the time school was over, Mom had worked herself up into a lather of anxiety. She stood outside to wait for the bus. And as little Todd came off the bus, she saw him muttering to himself. He said, not a single one. Not a single one. And he looked up and his face, rather than being covered in tears, was beaming with joy. He ran into her arms and said, Mom, I didn't forget a single one of my classmates. We can often think that happiness is just, it's just about feeling good, but the reality is that if we want, if we truly want to experience the joy and happiness of life, it comes from being and doing good. So then the question is, as parents, how do we teach our children to be and do good? How do we teach them to pursue fulfillment rather than simply happiness? A guy by the name of Dr. Tim Elmore has done some work on what it is that we as parents 
can do to help our children move towards lifetimes of fulfillment. And he came up with this formula that I find fascinating. Tim Elmore suggested that there are five words our kids need regularly to hear, and if they hear them, they will be more likely to live lives of fulfillment. So we're going to talk about these five words for just a moment. Feel free to take notes if you like. But the first word our kids need regularly hear from their parents in order to live lives of fulfillment is the word watch. Our children need to watch us living lives of meaning and integrity in this world. When we're forced to make difficult decisions, we need to talk to our children about why we chose the right path instead of the easy path. When I was a kid, I had a number of these conversations with my parents. You see, my dad was a restaurant manager. And like other businesses, sometimes the restaurant business can be kind of a cutthroat place. And there were a couple of times throughout the course of my dad's career that my dad resigned from his job because he felt like the the owners of the company he was working for were exploiting their their people. And, and as a manager, he felt like he couldn't be part of that. I remember a couple of these different times, my parents sitting us down on the couch and telling us why we had to leave our home and move to a new place. Now, at the time, as a child, I didn't understand. I just wanted to stay in my house and I wanted to stay with my friends. But what I recognize now is that my parents were allowing me to watch them live with integrity. They were allowing me to watch them live in lives that that were more than easy, lives that mattered, lives that chose the right path over the easy one. I got to watch them do that, and it's made a big impact on my life. A second word, Tim Elmore says, we need to he- our kids need to hear if they're going to live regularly with lives of fulfillment is the word practice. Practice. Did you know you can get a ninth place trophy? Ninth place trophy. What's the point? Part, part, of, part of the joy of life is practicing something until it brings us fulfillment, until we become better at it. Another one of the things my dad taught me was the virtue of practice. When I was in second grade, my dad took me to a park. We were home this past week. I actually saw the park again. My dad took me to a park in Sevierville, Tennessee, and he taught me how to shoot layups, where to hit on the backboard for the ball to go in almost every time. He taught me how to shoot free throws. But then he taught me an even more important lesson. He says, son, if you ever really want to be good, you actually have to practice. It's going to take time, but you can develop these skills. So by the time I entered high school, I was quite bad at basketball, but I worked really, really hard. And by the time I was a senior, my coach told me that I was very, very average. You know how I went from bad to average? Practice. Seriously, this is probably the most important lesson my dad ever taught because, you know, basketball wasn't that important. But whether it's basketball or preaching or whatever we do that really has matter, that really matters in this world, practice is going to help us become better at it. And our children need to learn how to do it. Here's a third word our kids need to hear from us regularly if they're going to live lives of fulfillment. They need to hear the word no. I had a teacher behind me in the choir at our 815 service this morning. She'd been teaching for 40 years. When I said, kids need to hear the word no, she said, amen, preacher. (laughs) Our kids need more than friends. In fact, they need mentors more than they need buddies. Often, oftentimes, this is hard for parents. But the simple truth is that the short-term happiness of our children 
is often in direct opposition to our children experiencing long-term fulfillment. As a parent, it can be really hard to say no, but the good news is it gets easier. Ask my kids, they'll tell you, I'm getting pretty good at it. Here's a fourth word our kids need to hear from us. Wait. Our kids need to hear, wait. The best things in life come to those who wait. They take time to achieve. We live in a world of instant, instant, instant gratification, limited only by the speed of our Wi-Fi. One of the most important skills that we can teach our children is the value of waiting. And as soon as I learn how to do it, I'll be happy to teach you. This is, I think, why Isaiah said it so beautifully, poetically, and powerfully in Isaiah chapter 40. He said, those who wait upon the Lord... Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles run and not grow weary. They shall walk and they shall not faint. There is beauty and power that comes from waiting. But there's also a fifth word our children need to hear. Our children need to hear us talk about serving. They need to watch us serve and they need to serve with us. Why? Because consumers are not as happy as contributors. Consumers are not as happy as contributors. Or to put it in biblical parlance, Jesus says, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Teaching our children it's better to serve than to be served is one of the great tickets to future fulfillment, which ironically will lead to happiness. How do you teach your kids to serve? Maybe it's by giving them daily chores to do to help around the house. Maybe it's by bringing them to service-oriented events here at Ebenezer Church or throughout the community. How do you teach your children to serve? If we want our children to live fulfilled lives, these five words are key. And the irony, the irony is that fulfillment, being and doing good, is the fertile ground in which our happiness will grow. So towards the end of our time, we're going to come back to happiness uh, for a moment. But now I want to turn our attention from happiness to consistency. Do you ever find your children talking back? Displaying a bad attitude when it comes to daily chores? Not obeying immediately when asked to do things? Yes, pastor, my kids also eat and breathe. There's a woman by the the name of Kathleen Nickerson. Here's what she said. She said, no matter how well you select your rules, how much you praise your kids, or how effectively you discipline them, you must be consistent, or your efforts will be in vain, and your household will be in crisis. I didn't hear anybody say, man, I'm going to read that again. No matter how well you select your rules, how much you praise your kids, how effectively you discipline them, you must be consistent or your efforts will be in vain and your household will be in crisis. Amen. It's true. It's true. Consistency is so important to raising children well, to be good members of our society, children who are going to make a difference in this world. You know what? Paul actually talks about the same thing in our passage today. Look at Galatians chapter 6 with me. He says, if those who are nothing think they are something, you can almost hear him saying, ninth place trophies, are you kidding me? Those who are nothing think they are something, they deceive themselves, all must test their own work. Then that work, rather than their neighbor's work, will become a cause for pride. For all must carry their own loads. 
Those who are taught the word must share in all good things with their teacher. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For you reap whatever you sow. If you sow your own flesh, you reap corruption from the flesh. But if you sow the Spirit, you will reap eternal life from the Spirit. So let us not grow weary in doing what is right. Paul, in this passage, says we should carry our our own loads. Paul says we should we will reap what we sow. And then he says this. He said, let us not grow weary in doing what is right. That's consistency. Paul's talking about the virtue of consistency. And I think this is where many of our parenting experiences begin to implode. We love our children. We, we want them to be well. We want to care for them. We want them to have everything that God desires for them. But where we can struggle is consistency. Invariably, those treasures will test their boundaries at the least convenient times. And it's so easy to bend the rules. The truth is, though, no parents are 100% consistent 100% of the time. That's true. But it's also true that if we fail to be consistent, our children's behavior gets worse and things get harder. Here's why, by the way. Clear boundaries, consistent consequences, breed security. Humans thrive in the midst of security. But the opposite is also true. When our boundaries are always moving, when there are inconsistent consequences, these things breed insecurity in our children. Said differently, our kids experience greater fulfillment when we are consistent. And maybe this is an area that you're wrestling with, that you're struggling with in your own parenting or grandparenting. So... What is a practical step step that we could take this week? Well, here it is, and I'll, I'll mention it again at the end before we leave, but pick one area. Maybe it's bedtime. Maybe it's snack time. Maybe it's your morning routine. Pick one area where you feel as if your kids are really, really testing their boundaries and strive to be consistent just for this week and see what difference it makes not only in their lives but in the life of your household. You know, when it comes to consistency, one concern I've heard parents express at times is, when we establish clear boundaries for our children, aren't we squashing their creativity? Now, some of you just laughed and rolled your eyes. But it's a fair question. At what point, we don't want to squash our our children's spirits of of creativity, so how, how does creating and maintaining consistent clear boundaries impact and interact with our children's creativity? I think this is a great question, and I want to tell you a story. It comes out of last year's Global Leadership Summit. A guy by the name of Craig Groeschel, who's the pastor of Life Church, told a story about his own life. When his, uh, when his church was, was starting to grow, he had just preached his 6 o'clock worship service on Saturday night, and his wife went into labor with one of their six children. At this point, he stopped in the service, and he said, people ask me all the time, you have six children, you must really love kids. To which Craig Rochelle responded, I have six children because I really love my wife. No? Other people laughed. Maybe I butchered that joke. I thought it was funny, though. Uh, so so they, she went into labor after the Saturday night service, and she was laboring down all night long. It became clear early in the morning that Craig was not going to be able to leave and, and go preach. So he got his team on the horn. They said, well, what are we going to do? And what they did was really creative. Given the boundaries, the constructs in which they had to operate. 
they had videotaped the service the night before. And so they came up with this idea of just showing the recording of the sermon to the people in the congregation. And it was actually one of the first times in history where people gathered and watched the sermon together in worship on a television screen. Now, today, Life Church has over 50 satellite campuses. It's one of the largest churches in the world. Here's the point. I don't think clear and consistent boundaries negate creativity. I think it's actually within the context of clear and consistent boundaries that creativity is free to flourish. Think about it. There's never been a painting, never a masterpiece in the history of the world that didn't have edges, boundaries on it. Every canvas has an end. If we want our children to be truly creative, the best thing we can do is establish clear and consistent boundaries for them. Ironically, our kids are not going to find happiness if happiness is their goal. Because happiness is a byproduct of living a fulfilled life. How do we help our children live fulfilled lives? One thing we can do, an important step, is to be consistent. To provide our children with consistent standards and boundaries. One more story. When I was a junior in high school, I was taking Algebra 2. Before we move on, can we just agree, Algebra 2, what? (laughs) Right? I know there are some math teachers in here, a couple of engineers. You're welcome in this place, okay? (laughs) Algebra 2. So I'm taking Algebra 2, and I had this agreement with my parents. I could play basketball as long as I maintained uh, a certain average uh, in school, as long as I made A's and B's and was on the honor roll. I could be, I could play basketball. Well, the end of the semester was coming in Algebra 2, and I had a C minus. So the final exam was looming, and I said to my parents, I said, hey, listen, I've worked hard, which I had not, and they knew it. I've worked hard this semester. I've only got, I've got a C plus. It's so close to being a B minus. And my dad said, well, if you get a B minus, you can keep playing basketball. There was no wiggle room for, for my parents. And you know what? I studied harder for that test than I've ever studied for a test in my life. I got a high grade and, and moved that C plus, moved the needle up to a B minus and was able to continue playing basketball. But what's more important is the lesson they taught. My parents established clear boundaries that helped prepare me for my future. And they stuck to them. They were consistent. And it's made a difference. So, just a couple of thoughts for takeaway today. Just really two. Here are two questions I want to send you home with. First, are we teaching our children to pursue happiness, feeling good, or are we teaching our children to, to pursue fulfillment, being and doing good? It's kind of a philosophical but a very important question. What am I teaching my children to pursue happiness, feeling good, or fulfillment, being and doing good? And here's the second one. How can I help provide my children with clearer, more consistent boundaries this week? This week, what's one area I can focus on to do that for my kids? I just want to confess once more. I'm not up here talking to you about being better parents and grandparents and about the importance of raising the next generation because I have all the answers. I'm talking to you about it because I believe with everything inside of me, it is the most important thing God has charged us with to prepare the next generation to lead and change this world. So we all have some traps we fall into. But together, with the help of the Holy Spirit, our time of learning, the gift of Scripture, some trial and error, we can become better parents. 
we can become better caregivers and mentors for the next generation. That's where we're going to stop for today. I hope you'll join us next week as we continue that Parent Trap series. Until then, would you pray with me? Gracious God, we thank you for the gift of the children in our community. We thank you for the gift of the children in our church and in our families. We thank you, God, because indeed they are treasures. Sometimes we can struggle with them. None of us have all the answers. None of us do when it comes to parenting. But we love our children and we want to help prepare them for the future, prepare them to be used by you to transform this world and bring glory to your name. Help us, O God. We're awed by this task. We need you. So bless us, O God, that we might be the best we can be in raising up your children to your glory. In Christ's name, amen.